side, got a man open in the end zone. Stills grabs a touchdown. Kenny Stills, what a pair of hands. Lehman showing blitz. There's the blitz. All right, everybody, welcome to the Bud, Barry, Bob, and Beers podcast. Last episode, regular season in the Big 12. Then you'll likely see Oklahoma. I mean, unless they make the Big 12 title game, of course, Stephen. You know, they could make the Big 12 title game in a very, uh, if the scenario of what, what Texas wins or Texas loses and OSU or OSU loses, basically, it would be the situation. Yeah. Something there's like there's three scenarios where I think Oklahoma could get in. Uh, none of them seem very likely right now. Yeah, that's correct. I none of them do seem very likely, and so could be the last, m- most likely the last Big Twelve it's regular season game, and then on to the bowl game, which well, I wonder who will see who will play. But well, I'm your host, Kami Armrabian, and of course, whose voice you just heard is the voice of an angel, Stephen Brown. And, uh, you know, we've been we've been a little bit absent and it's nothing uh, on the part of Stephen. I've been I've just uh, sincerely been busy with my work at the university. Uh, those that for those that don't know, um, I'm working my Ph.D. And then for those that do know, um, thank you for words of encouragement. You guys have been pretty awesome at that. So I appreciate that all the time. But anyways, we got a lot to get to. I looked at the outline for today, y'all. And I was talking to Stephen about this for the podcast. Uh, the last time we podcast after a Texas game. And so that just proves that we don't podcast just after wins. Um, there have been a couple of uh, really close losses and egregious losses and a couple of close wins in there as well. And, oh, and we'll talk about one of them uh, from last week from BYU. Um, but um, so there's a lot to take in. And then we'll preview some TCU stuff and then go on into a lot of other things that we need to talk about just regarding this this team, this season. This upcoming, uh, this upcoming game against the Horned Frogs, and then maybe into the future a little bit. And so let's start off, though. Uh, Steven, this is your more beer forte. Of course, I've been a little bit less plugged in than I have previously. Uh, let's talk some recruiting. I know Grant Bricks, I know that stuff hasn't necessarily gone the way Oklahoma has wanted it to go. Um, I know it's been kind of uh, reeling, if you will. Uh, if I don't think it obviously I think somebody I, I think was a Will Fong put in a crystal ball for Nebraska this evening. Uh, but what other things are going in Oklahoma's way or is Oklahoma on like kind of looking for and recruiting so far as the season kind of dwindles down? Not a lot of positivity uh, this week. Obviously, I think the, the Grant Bricks news is out by now. I think several services kind of hinted that that's probably going to go Nebraska's way or it's 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 a done deal at this point. So. Oklahoma is going to finish without Grant Bricks, maybe without Eddie Pierre Lewis. Uh, we'll see. That's kind of he's a guy that always flips side to side. So it wouldn't surprise me if that swings back to Oklahoma. Uh, but at the same time, it wouldn't surprise me if he just wants to stay in Florida and go to UCF and enjoy the new Big 12. So 0 uh, 2 for, for uh, Bill Beatonbow at the moment, as it appears. So obviously things can change. But, um, you know, this is a cycle where. I kind of hinted on Twitter and we talked on Discord about this. It's not a huge cycle for offensive linemen, especially in areas where Oklahoma recruits pretty heavily mm-hmm. um, for offensive linemen. 
So you're talking Texas, Kansas, Oklahoma, yeah. um, you know, those Midwest, South, you know, South Central states. Just it's, it wasn't going to be a good good year to begin with. And, and now that you look at it, it just makes the portal that much more important. So uh, fortunately for Oklahoma, as I wouldn't say this is recruiting and be more portal news, but you look at or, you, or, the, or you can go the JUCO, you can go the JUCO route. I mean, JUCO. Yeah, I, I think I think JUCO, gets, JUCO anymore. Man, I think they. Yeah. I think I think JUCO ranks have been really kind of decimated by the transfer portal, and there's yeah. a lot of gems that are going to end up at these still power five, not power five schools, a group of five schools or a group of six, maybe whatever the hell the Pac-12 is doing these days or what's remaining in the Pac-12. I mean, like they're going to eat them up and actually be pretty good and maybe beat Auburn and New Mexico State by three, <laughs> 20, 21 points. So, um, yeah. but it's it's interesting to think about this this offensive line group, right? Um, you're kind of thankful that they do have some youth and some a little bit of depth on the offensive line. Um, that's kind of one takeaway, but yeah, I mean, if you're, I mean, if if you're Oklahoma. And you're going after an offensive lineman. No, res- no disrespect. If you're going after offensive lineman in England, I mean that should tell you enough <laughs> of what's going on um, in the offensive line recruiting world. I feel like yeah. is that is that fair to say? That's not a hot take. It's it's a little fair. I mean, Akin Kumi's a he's a pretty good prospect. Pretty raw, obviously. When you're you're not he's, he's a, a he's a, a great body that, that type. He's a great body yeah. type. He has all the uh, measurables of, of being an elite offensive lineman. He just doesn't yes. have the experience or, you know, the the background to do so. So, I mean, if it works out, great. If it doesn't, I mean, you took a flyer on a guy from London. So, uh, one of those things. But I, I still think the portal, when you look at, like, Texas A&M going down, USC is yep. pretty much in the shitter right now. And then you'll have a lot of, <laughs> you have a lot of coach overturn. A lot of hate um, watching going on in my house. Yeah. Uh, I saw some tweets, but uh, but yeah, there's there's several programs where you'll have guys just enter the portal just to explore, and Oklahoma is going to be one of the prime targets uh, for those those upper echelon tier transfer portal targets. Yeah, and that that's definitely something that we're going to end up talking about later is the transfer portal just in general uh, as the season comes to a close because there are some positions that you're going to need. I mean, left tackle, like who who you really throwing out there and. I love the fact, man. I love the fact that they went after Caden Green, and I felt like we've been talking about this since the offseason. I felt like Caden Green had the potential, and you agreed, I, I believe, at the time. I have to go back and listen to the pod uh, that Caden Green had the potential to maybe steal a job this year, and he has taken that job and solidified himself and done a really damn good job. I mean, I mean, to his credit, done really well. Um, and then we'll talk about some Jake Sexton at right tackle instead of Tyler Guyton, even though he's available a little bit later. But so Oklahoma, before like after we podcast last, which was the Texas game, it was a fun game. It was we thought Oklahoma was something pretty special, in which they are pretty a still pretty solid team. They just are Jekyll and Hyde. You never know what you're gonna get. And so they win close game. Okay, UCF lose close game at Kansas, lose at close game at Bedlam with Despite all the calls, uh, there's a lot of things that went into that game. Just completely take apart West Virginia, who had actually looked pretty decent under Neil Brown. And then uh, this past weekend in Provo, win narrowly at BYU. And then, well, 
uh, this coming Friday. They play Senior Day in Norman, 11 a.m., Black Friday, which F you straight from the Big 12 from 5 and 6 TCU, which we'll discuss <laughs> in a little bit. Right, But right now, Oklahoma, as they go into this TCU game against the Horned Frogs, kind of been by the injury bug lately. I mean, you got Dylan Gabriel, if cleared. I mean, like you can you can have a concussion and like and they never said it was a concussion, even though everybody on Twitter was like reported as a concussion. Brent called it an upper body injury. I was like, okay, I don't know what the hell that that means. Um, but it was it was very clear that it looked like a concussion, head bounced right off the turf. And then Farouk still like stats, like nobody's really talking about for him. Everybody's talking about, about Dylan Gabriel. And Farouk looks like, like he fenced. Like when when you fence, like you kind of like put your, your hands up against kind of the air that's basically just like already pressing up against the fence that's what I, what they mean and that's exactly what he looked like when he was on the turf so i couldn't tell if he's just like collecting his breath or anything like that um and then i mean was guyton still maybe a little bit dinged and maybe that's why he didn't play even though like it's, even though you're available it doesn't mean you're fully ready to go and so that's something to go over there's no uh, real solid replacement for, for Gentry Williams, uh, Stutzman, just in general. And then, I mean, Zach uh, Schmidt, I mean, <laughs> not, nothing wrong with them. He's just, he's just not very good at the moment. Yeah. Not, not, not very good at the moment. So let's talk about Gabriel and Farouk uh, just for them this weekend in particular. I mean, do you expect, you would expect Farouk to play this weekend? Yes. Or no. Farouk, yes. Okay. I think they and hinted that he was okay. That the hit, it looked like he just got hit in the neck. Like he just got like uh yeah. crossbarred. And I think that's just kind of stuns you a little bit. Uh, but they never said it was a concussion, and he seemed fine after the game, he seemed fine on the sidelines sure. as well. So I think they avoided the worst there. I think it was just kind of a, a freak kind of hit, and he just wanted to make sure he was okay. Yeah, and he like like you mentioned, he stayed on the sidelines, was interacting with teammates and all that other stuff. Gabriel, he wasn't on the sideline for the rest of the game. He was not with his teammates. They took and him so to a, expect, a dark room. Yeah, no shit, right? <laughs> I, I expect Julio Farouk to play. Um, Dylan Gabriel, though, I mean, again, I don't see it. You, we, we talked about this earlier this week when we were te- when we were texting me. Um, there's no way he plays. Concussion protocol is seven games in general. And originally it was strange because right after the game, you saw Mike Halk aggressively walk towards Brent and mention stuff in his ear. You know, all that stuff was going to be strictly about Dylan Gabriel, uh, which it was right after the post game uh, and like right on the field. And, um, and then in the post compressor mentions, he expects Dylan Gabriel to bounce back pretty quickly. Uh, but then this week, yeah, George Stoya, to his credit, uh, asked uh, uh, Brent point blank, like, hey, wh- how do you think he's going to play this week? Is, is it was it working positively? Is it looking, you know, not 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 likely? And Brent said that um, there was the possibility of him playing. And so, I mean, that's market as gamesmanship market as the man you mentioned uh, and when we were texting back and forth. The man's had two concussions in two years, and that might be something to think about in more particular. And plus, it's only six days past your last concussion, which, I mean, minimum is six days. And so you don't see it happening, right? I don't see it happen. I think from from people I've talked to, 
and they don't think he's gonna he's gonna play there. But I, I kind of expect him to shoot up and maybe go through warm-ups a little bit, just throwing the ball. And then maybe he goes in the tunnel and he comes back out and sweats. I don't I don't think he's gonna play it at all. But he'll it be out seems... there to senior night, yeah, that kind of stuff. Look at those festivities, have them all dressed out, and then you know, now he's in sweats on the sideline. It seems very Danny Stutzman and Bedlam esque. Like he'll come out, do everything, probably come out on the sideline, probably wear pads, maybe not a helmet, and just be with his teammates and like have a jersey on and basically communicate in signs uh, to Jackson Arnold. That's pretty much what I expect yeah. on Saturday or Friday. It's, it's a little maybe different because Stutzman, it wasn't really like a head injury. So I think they actually wanted to, from what I've heard from, from people close to that situation, they were going to, you know, give him the, the cortisone shot or whatever and try to give him a go. And it just, even that was just, yeah. Hey, that's, it's a no, no go, no fly. He's, it's not going to work out. So let's, let's give it a different uh, route there. But with Gabriel, I mean, you look at Oklahoma in the past, as far as them treating head injuries, it's always been a two week thing. Like you miss your first week, miss the game. And then you go through practices and maybe you practice like, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, something like that, and then you're good to go. So I just don't see how they're going to turn this around six days. I don't see. That's really not worth um, it, too. Yeah, you're and you honestly, you already burned Jackson Arnold's red shirt, and mm -hmm. if Dylan Gabriel isn't even that close, and if you feel that Jackson Arnold is in a way um good enough to get on the field and actually play with this team you have to go with jackson arnold knowing that dylan gabriel and i mean and at the end of the day at the end of the day it could simply just be dylan gabriel saying also saying hey i've had a collarbone broken the year before i got to oklahoma i've had a concussion last year against this exact same team in the middle of the season and then I got a concussion the next year and he may not want to play the very next week uh, because of his draft status, because I imagine Dylan Gabriel wants to go to the NFL. And so I don't imagine he wants to put his career would want to put his career on the line. But I mean, if he wants to, sure. But at the same time of that, I just don't see it happening because of those factors. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah. he, like Dylan loves his teammates. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, I don't love my teammates enough to end my possible <laughs> career over it. I mean, like not a lot of people thought Jalen Hurts would be playing this well on Sundays. And the man is, I mean, he's delivering for Philadelphia. And so, I mean, Dylan Gabriel with the amount of improvement, we talked about this, this past, this past week too, like Dylan, my gosh, he has come back really, really come back, really, really improved this year. A lot of poise in the pocket Footwork has improved, which was something that I was looking for. And he looked really great this year. And so, like, if he comes back, I don't know if it was, like, seriously his head um, or just his neck or what. Uh, but, I mean, I don't, I don't I don't, see it happening. And so, let's talk about Sexton over Guyton. I mean, is this a situation where Guyton is, was dinged and Sexton just played over him anyways? Or did they like what Sexton did on the line more in particular than what Guyton did? What I heard, I think Guyton suffered a, maybe like a possible concussion in practice, and that's why he didn't play that week. And they've just been working him back. And I think some there might be something else going on in the situation where they're just like, hey, you know, you're back from injury, but 
you got to clean up some other things. And I, I'm not clear on that as well. So I don't want to go into the details on that sure. thing, but um, you know, Sexton, he has been playing great. He's been playing okay, but obviously he's the future of that position. Uh, I don't, I don't think either of us expect Guyton to come back and, and play next year in the SEC by any means. I think he's going to be like a, a day two pick at this point. So mm-hmm. I think maybe they just say, Hey, Sexton, you're a guy next year. Let's get you some experience in these next, you know, two, three games, whatever we're doing. Um, and we'll just roll from there. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's gotta be the kind of like mentality they have. And like, honestly, Sexton's been playing pretty well. I mean, <laughs> The guy that that guy's been playing really really well um, uh, over the last. He plays with a, a a big motor, not not the most yeah. sound technique. Obviously, he's been injured, he's shaking off the rust a little bit, but yeah, you got he, he has such a good motor. For I think I think his yeah I think his floor is maybe a little bit higher than his ceiling, and right now I think Oklahoma just needs competence on the offensive line. If we're just being honest. And so, I mean, that's the reason why Caden Green is now playing instead of Savian Bird. Unfortunately, the man just can't get it together. And if he, if and when he does, he'll be a great offensive lineman in Oklahoma, but Savion Bird is not. Um, but, yeah, I know I totally agree uh, with what you're saying about Sexton. And then also, Gentry Williams has been banged up, and this man's been banged up like half the season since Texas, not been at 100%, not been at 90%, not been at really even 80%, gets hurt. Every time he comes back to play, sure he. I think it was Nate. Was he a named a captain this week? I don't know. Um, but I know I should know Billy Bowman was because he's named permanent team captain for the rest of one well, the one regular and season and bowl <laughs> game. Um, but uh, what does No Gentry Williams meant for this team down this stretch in particular as well? And if he doesn't well, even go on this Saturday, this Saturday. The, or Friday. the depth there has just been so thin. I mean, they've played Key Lawrence at corner. They've played Dolby, I think. They tried him for a few snaps at corner. Um, just because Makari Vickers hasn't been been healthy. Uh, Kanai Walker has struggled with some injuries, and he struggled in general and, and bits and points. But they just don't really have any healthy depth behind them right now. Like, they, like that position group just has to get healthy. That's, that's what it comes down to. Because I think they do have talent. Um, but obviously, A, it's young, and B, everyone – and that room seems to be dealing with some sort of injury at the moment. Is Jaden Rowe redshirting? I don't think Jaden Rowe is going to come back. Yeah, I don't think he's in the honest. plans, right? I don't think he's Jacoby part John- of the, uh, Yeah, he's not yeah. part of our... Jacoby John- Maybe, Johnson. Jacoby Johnson's definitely in the future plans, but you've been noticing yeah, a mm-hmm. lot of safeties playing where a lot of corners have been typically playing. And I mean, Gentry, when he comes back, he play, when he comes and he plays, he plays well. Uh, but he just uh, your best your best ability is availability. Yeah. And unfortunately, he has been dinged up. It's that same shoulder, shoulder arm, uh, and it's it's been a nagging thing. So if he gives it a go this this Friday, we'll see. Uh, but I mean, like you mentioned, it's forced others to step up, and we'll talk about like how they have stepped up. And of course, um, just Danny Sutzman in general. He misses out on what two games? Um, he missed that. He misses out on Kansas and Oklahoma State, right? Or is it just Oklahoma State? I forget uh, now. Just Oklahoma State. Just Oklahoma State. I believe State. he was injured. That's right. During the Kansas. During the Kansas game. Like um, and then he comes back, <laughs> and 
uh, versus West Virginia um, and plays well. I mean, like everybody played well against West Virginia um, and then comes and plays against BYU and apparently had, he says food poisoning. Brent said the flu, but apparently the man hadn't eaten in two days and was getting an IV on the sideline <laughs> and playing like every other series or every other snap or something like that. And I mean, Stutzman in general still, I mean, and he, he makes a game changing play that allows OU to beat BYU. Oklahoma's then does not win without those three turnovers. And Danny Stutzman forces a strip sack fumble. And uh, that's where the team goes and wins the game. And so what has Stutzman meant to this team in general? And do you think he actually returns next year? I've been going back and forth because I think obviously in our last podcast what was it almost a month ago mm-hmm. I said there's no way he's coming back because I don't think Brent would want him back I think Brent would want him in the NFL because that's that's he'd be like mm-hmm. a day two day three guy something like that around two yep. round three something high draft pick um, but the way he talks and like the way he talks about the program and kind of his actions and everything it sounds like he hasn't really decided like he doesn't even thought about it. Like if if you asked him, maybe he just says, "Hey, you know, I want to come back. You know, I think I could be a day one guy, and I want to play in the SEC. I want to I want to bring this uh, program into the SEC." So I mean, I could see him coming back. I, I, if I was Danny, I would just cut my losses and say, "Hey, go and go in the NFL." But he just seems like the kind of guy that maybe it's just not all about the money with him. He seems like a guy that just enjoys college, uh, just enjoys life. <laughs> Um, I think he, I, I honestly think that like, he is really, 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 really good with the camera and he's really good with public relations in general. And I think there's more to be built out of the university of Oklahoma with him. Um, and I do think he can, can be a day one guy, especially within the sec. Um, and so that's, we'll talk a little about the defensive line later. Uh, but he'll need some more portal than defensive line guys, quite a few actually. And um, we'll see what his decision would be like for next year, because I mean, he's not going to have all these guys right in front of him next year. And that may be a part of his decision. And it likely should be a part of his decision. But anyways, going to implications of these injuries. So Jackson Arnold, we've seen him spottily throughout the year, right? Like, Mostly just handing the ball off, not really doing much. Um, and then he plays, we see him last week, extended time, half a half of a game besides the red-white spring game. And, of course, you know, it's a little bit shaky at first, especially when he bobbles a snap and you're thinking, oh, my God, we are totally fucked. Um, and, and, like, that's the I, man, that was That was, yeah, the flashbacks. And I was blaming our good friend Justin, who's been on the pod with us, Sooner tracker for posting Sam Bradford before the game. And I was like, what is what the I, I text us like, what the hell is wrong with you? You are the reason for our problems <laughs> right now. And um man, once Jeff Levy just turned him loose and let him still be him and let him throw on that go route where he Nick Anderson was five yards behind the defense. That ball was five to seven yards in front of Nick Anderson. And I was thinking, I've been telling people like. Hey, if there's anything you need to know about this Jackson Earl guy, he's a tough runner. He has a cannon for an arm. Um, and he he just in general does does not care. And like he will he throws people, he throws receivers open. And 
I mean, you got to see that with Nick Anderson, who's already way behind the defense. Nick, he, he, all he has to do is float the ball, and he walks in with a score. Uh, it really showcases that arm he has. But, I mean, you saw him willing to take off readily. Um, you saw him willing to take on contact against BYU defenders. Uh, he went against like three at once at one, at one time uh, with some help from, with some Gavin Sawchuk. And so um, what are your thoughts on Jackson Arnold most likely being your starter in a few days, actually? I feel pretty good about it. I mean, it was a tough spot for him to come into the game because obviously you, you go back into the West Virginia game, he doesn't get in at the very end. So he's like, hey, that red shirt's firmly on there. Like you go into that next week of game prep, you don't really prepare like you're going to get into the game. Like you have no expectation that you're going to be entering this game. And then obviously Gabriel goes down and you're kind of in shock. So uh, there's a little bit of like deer in the headlights moments in those first three or four series. Sure. And I thought he settled down Definitely. pretty well. And I thought, I know Levy gets a lot of, you know, fit his way for his play calling. And some of it is deserved. Some of it's, you know. He's been better the last few games. Yeah. He's been better the last couple games. You can't help that the players don't, sure. don't execute your plays. But. I thought he did a good job of getting him settled down. I thought he did a good job of, you know, he's a strong runner. Let's give him some run game. Let's give him some contact. And then let's give him some easy throws. I thought. At and that you let him point, be him. Yeah. Because my, my biggest worry was, okay, they're not going to let him run. And that's one of his strengths. So, I mean, he, they yep. settled him down pretty quick after this first three series, let him kind of do his thing. And now he's settled in. I think with a full week, of uh you know expectation of you're out there and be the starter i think it'll be just fun on offense yeah and that's that this is another thing to talk about i mean people um that were at the game even um oh i can't remember who i listened to this week i think it was gabe and teddy maybe or somebody else mentioned that this was the loudest environment they had been in since either if it's at a neutral site ou texas or uh, the Cincinnati game because y'all, although it's a small crowd, they're all right on top of you or Bedlam just a week before they said it was a really, really, really loud crowd because obviously they're BYU is also still trying to get bowl eligible and they had the Sooners right where they wanted them. Um, and so for Jackson to kind of deliver in the second half and make a couple easy throws, make a couple easy runs, make some tough runs and stuff like that. We're going to speed under him and then running the offense next week. I mean, I expect to see a little more physical run game, some more legitimate RPO um, where he's actually looking to run the ball. I feel like Dylan Gabriel at times really should have taken the ball on a clear read that he just kind of gave to his, uh, his running back anyways. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens with that situation. And talking about the running backs. So suddenly, out of, out of the clear, three games in a row now, he has over 100 yards. Gavin Sawchuk, who his... High school coaches, his high school coach is Ed McCaffrey, who is Christian McCaffrey's dad. So this dude is the closest thing to my son since that I've ever seen. Um, he is able to, it, you, you obviously see it too. He gets the ball. He reads his offensive line. Even if he runs into the pile at first, he reads his offensive line, what's happening at the second level and takes off and is able to make adjustments. He's not just a one cut guy. He makes one cut, then reads, and then counter bounces outside or goes back inside, etc. And he's now your de facto running back after weeks of just like 
it's Marcus Major. Oh, it's uh, it's Tommy Walker. Oh, it's Dylan Gabriel. And now it's all of a sudden it finally is Gavin Sawchuk. Um, for some reason, no Javante Barnes, even though he's healthy and still on the sideline. So that's uh, he's going to be in different colors eventually. Sounds like um, Dale, you've seen more Dalen Smothers uh, than you have. Uh, than you have uh, any, anybody else. Even Caleb Hicks is still young. They got a lot of young running backs. But let's talk about Gavin Sawchuk. Not the biggest guy. Uh, that's what they use Tommy Walker for yeah, as the battering ram, I suppose. But what are, what are our thoughts on Gavin Sawchuk? I, th- I think he brings a lot of to the game where you don't have to sub in as much. He can be used as a receiver. He's got soft hands. He is a, he is one cut go very quick, very powerful, low to the ground. But it's still again not the biggest guy. Also, kind of still scares me with ball security. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, he's he's a guy that I think is is running with a lot more confidence than we saw early in the season. Because when you, when you first saw Sawchuk, he was dropping passes. He was running to the back of the line, man. He was falling down on first contact. He just didn't seem like a guy that was running with with much confidence at all. And that's why everyone's like, oh, Tawi, Tawi, Tawi. And now you see a guy that, I mean, he's hesitating. Uh, you know, he, he pops the, the ball outside. He's running through tackles. Um, he's doing all the little things that, that Brent kind of suggested. He's like, hey, we can't, you know, we can't just fall down when, when someone wants to, you know, grab us. Like, we have to run through tackles. We have to be physical. We're going to be smart. We can't just run into contact as well. So I think he's doing all the little things that, that Brent and DeMarco are asking. And it's paying off. I mean, he looks really good out there. He's probably your RB1 the rest of the season, probably the RB1 going into the next season. So it's it's uh, it's a pretty good story for him. Interesting how there was only Marcus Major, and now there is absolutely no, no. Marcus Major like, at all. Like, again, Dalen Smothers is getting carries right now. I think someone Not hinted that they do some sort of like, hey, if you perform well in practice, like let's say you win, you know, so much percent of reps or in the in scrimmage or whatever, you get that many reps in the in the in the game. I can't remember who suggested that, but uh, maybe that's why Smothers is out there. Maybe I mean, good good for him for competing his ass off. He's a great running yeah. back. He he would be a great tandem, especially with uh with 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 Sawchuck. So we'll see with what's going on with him, especially going into next season. It's nice to see him. He performed last well last year's game against Florida State. Um, and so like we're not we we're not surprised by what we're seeing. As it, it's it's just nice to see the offensive line kind of somewhat get together, kind of somewhat figure the shit out as far as the running game is going. And also yeah. kind of nice to see a running back that once they get the ball, God bless his soul, Marcus Majors staring at the ground <laughs> and not the holes in front of him. Tali Walker, not patient enough to wait for his blockers. Gavin Sawchuk, that's the best thing he does, waiting for his blockers and hitting the hole precisely and then making that first cut at the second at the second level with the linebackers. He's been really great with that lately the last few games, and that's what's been made him go over 100 yards. Um we we've got to talk about Nick Anderson. Like, yes, a little bit Jaden Gibson. My God, Nick Anderson is a touchdown machine. Yes, Drake Stoops is all the catches. Nick Anderson still has the yards. He still Nick, Drake Stoops. I think is first still on the team as far as yards now because that massive game against West Virginia. But Nick Anderson's second on the team in yards receiving, I believe, and definitely leads that wide receiver group with touchdowns. And one he dropped against, unfortunately, against Oklahoma State. Uh, that wide open touchdown, but Nick Angel Anthony he goes down. The team is weird for a few weeks. 
not knowing who's going to play there, not getting getting enough experience. Obviously, now they have experience. A lot of Jane Gibson touchdowns lately. A few just streaking on the field. A lot of Nick Anderson running those same routes now. And you felt like you told me this earlier on a podcast or just texting in general a long time. You thought Nick Anderson was going to be really good, especially in the SEC. Can Nick Anderson, because this is what who who this is who can come back next year, right? Tell me if I'm wrong. Jalou Farouk, Nick Anderson, mm-hmm. Jane Gibson, and Andrew, Andrew Anthony. Correct. Yeah. That's a pretty damn solid core for Jackson Arnold, as long as they can find a left tackle essentially in this offensive line group. Yeah. Going to the SEC. They'll have to figure out the slot thing. And I think a lot of people like, Oh, you know, Gavin, uh, Gavin Freeman's the next Drake Stoops. And I don't think he's really proved that yet. Yeah. Uh, Gavin Freeman can make plays. We've seen it before. He just lacks consistency. I want to see Petaway gain weight. Yeah. I think they'll, they'll put him Petaway. He's a little smaller right now. That's why he hasn't played, but I don't see how you keep that speed off the field. I mean, it's not going to be the same as as Drake Stoops. Obviously, they're two different Gavin players. Freeman but... does he does too much. He dances around too much instead of getting getting vert north and south. Drake gets north yeah. and south. Yeah, but Petaway, I mean, he's just he brings something that Drake can't rep, like replicate. He's he's just so fast. Right. So, I think Petaway will will enter that group and be a pretty solid player for Oklahoma next year. I think Probably so too. I think he's around. Yeah, it's really, really, really paramount. I think you'll, like you said, I think you'll play well and play in the bowl game. I mean, there, there's a lot to go up for, but Nick Anderson, uh, he's done nothing but shown growth as the season has gone on, has been given more opportunities. That's pretty cool. Just have the Rodney Anderson brother connection going on there. And then we talked about it early. Uh, can I Walker, Kendall Dolby, because Gentry Williams has been out. You've seen Key Lawrence at cornerback. You've seen Robert Spurs Jennings at times play cornerback. I mean, Woody Washington's been the really the only one that's been there the entire year. Thank God he's held up. I don't know what would be going on right now if he has if he hadn't. Um, how, how do you think they fared? And do you think it gives them more of an opportunity in the future, or just kind of solidifies that hey, Gentry Williams, we need him to stay healthy. I, they need Gentry Williams to stay healthy because he's he because Woody Washington is not playing. He's not, he's not here next year. Probably not. I think he'll probably jump to the NFL. I think his stock is yep. as high as he can get it. If he yep. comes back next year. I don't think it changes at all. But nope. Gentry Williams. I mean, it's a shoulder injury. It's tough. I've had the same shoulder injury. It's not fun. Even on the small hits, you'll get those like uh, stingers or whatever, and you have to sit a play up because you, you just got to wait for the the pain to go away. So. Yeah, um, they'll probably do. He seems like a prime candidate for a little cleanup surgery there on uh, what's probably the labrum, something oh, yeah. like that. The um, after the bowl game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll, they'll get it done quick. So uh, I think he'll be OK. It's just it's tough position. A lot of people deal with it. But when you have those shoulder injuries and you're just as physical as Gentry Williams, uh, you're going to have to take those risks and, and you have to play through some some pain. So you're also going to have to get uh, a little bit bigger. Yeah, but I think Makari Vickers, Josiah Wagner. Um, I mean, Kendall Doby catches shit from from a lot of fans, but I think he's played. I think he's played pretty well for what it is, especially okay. for a guy that's yeah. coming out of JUCO hasn't played First a ton year. of balls. So yeah, First year. Give, give him a break. Come on. I'm surprised we haven't seen Wagner. I'm sure sur- that's yeah. that's what I'm surprised about. At the amount of the, the, the much hype he's we heard been, about him. I think he's been injured a little bit. I think he came back. Two or three weeks ago, 
So they yeah. might be trying to save the red shirt if they could. I don't, I don't think they can anymore. But and then sure. I mean, look at next year you're gonna have Justin Harrington back, the guy that yep. that made a lot of plays in the secondary. It kind of helped out those uh, those linebackers and took some pressure off Gentry Williams and the safeties and all those guys. So um, that's another piece that people don't realize that was that's yep. really good in the the early games and they just don't have anymore. Because, I mean, Desan McCullough, again, that dude is. A- game changer but he's going to be your cheetah especially like in your nickel like kind of like strong packages where you're going to bring him up and run support and be a box safety but on passing downs your Desan mccullough is not going to be your cheetah it's going to be justin harrington um and right. it's justin harrington for a lot of reasons it's been peyton bowen and it's been reggie pearson for a lot of for uh, billy bowman for a lot of reasons um because on, on especially on third downs and stuff like that so i think that's important to mention and then Again, Stutzman was out. Kip Lewis shows his medal. Uh, this guy, he's a real deal, but is still 210 pounds, maybe, right? You lose gain, you you lose weight over the uh, course of the season because of the amount of just like cardio, beating yeah. your body takes and the amount of cardio. So like constantly yeah. eating, but still you lose a little bit of weight. So he's probably under 210 now. But Lewis Carter, uh, Kobe McKenzie's played pretty well. Uh, dropped a dropped an interception that may might have been a pick six, but it was still a turnover on downs. Jaron Canick getting a little pushed to the side a little bit. Um, so what? what so let's let's talk about Lewis Carter and Kobe McKenzie first. I mean, these two dudes are are the future, and then Danny Sutzman, of course, is now playing a different position. He's different. He's playing the other linebacker spot. And because of Lewis Carter, who is now starting with him. And so let's talk with Lewis Carter first or Kip, uh, Kip Lewis. Why am I calling him? Lewis I do. Carter? I do oh love God. Lewis Carter though. I'll talk about Lewis oh, Carter. Uh, all day. The, I think he's being a superstar. Why, so. He, yeah. Why am I talking about Lewis Carter? My goodness. Kip Lewis, excuse me. <laughs> uh, it's, 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 it's Lewis, you know, it's late. Okay. Whatever. Sue me. Uh, Kip Lewis. What has that said about him to you? I think a lot of people, um, you know, him coming out of high school, he, he flashed the speed, very ferocious, a lot of pursuit. Um, the, the biggest knock was like, hey, can he play at that size? Like, how fast is this kid going to put on the necessary weight to make uh, make plays at the next level? And he's, he's proved that he could have, but I bet he's probably, when he entered the season, 215, maybe 220, you know, fully dressed out. But mm-hmm. um, he just still has a little bit – a little bit more to go in the uh, the weight room. I think he'll get there, but just a lot of upside. Uh, very active tackler, fast, uh, aggressive, physical, everything you want in a, in a linebacker outside of you know a guy that's six one or six foot, whatever he is, um, is there. So he just needs a little bit of time, and I, I think they'll be fine there. But um, they they were excited about him in fall camp. We talked about him quite a bit, and uh, oh yeah, he's he when he got the opportunity, took advantage of it. And it's not like they were disappointed in Kobe McKenzie. He's still getting plenty of snaps, but he's mean, played well Kip for Lewis, the most part. He Kip, had a yeah, tough Kip game, Lewis though. is just making some is making some strides and really flashing what he can do first year. And I mean, I'm sure he's getting coached up and asking for a lot of extra help from Danny Stutzman, uh, just getting accl- him acclimated to his position because because of Kip Lewis, 
now that I've for, for some reason I've been calling him Lewis Carter this entire time. So for now that Kip Lewis is like getting like information directly from Danny Stutzman. Uh, Danny Stutzman even mentioned his first game back. It, those that those first West Virginia drives are kind of messing with him because he's playing on the opposite side now. And so he's able to give like real time information, but also uh, coach him up on the sideline while enduring in the little plays where he needs to be. And so even him. And then what do you make out of Jaron Canick being the starter with Danny Sussman during the year? And suddenly Danny Sussman is playing the other side. And now Kip Lewis is starting uh, at, the, at the mic. I don't hate it. I mean, it's probably a bummer for Jaron Canick, right? But at the same time, when he comes in off the bench, he, he plays a little bit better than he was as a starter. So it's kind of like one of those wake-up calls that coaches give you. It's like, hey, I'm going to start the the kid that's making plays. He's he's practicing hard, that kind of thing. And, you know, you'll get an opportunity, but when you get in, it, you have to make the best of it. And I think for the most part, he has. He still misses some plays. Yeah. You kind of, you know, at some points lack some, some physicality here and there, but you have to like Yeah, the lack of containment is driving me nuts. Yeah. But uh, Kip Lewis has played more linebacker than Jaron Cannon because he True. played linebacker all throughout high school. So uh, it's just another thing where Jaron is he's still catching up to speed. And and I think the physicality and stuff will come. It's just can you stop? Can you stop reading? Can you just react to uh, what you got to react to? And that's a, that's an important thing to acknowledge. I mean. Jaron Canick played a lot more running back than he did anything else uh, coming out coming out of high school. I mean, and then of course, like he just had has the physical specimen to play linebacker uh, that Brent wants, and of course, they already had recruited a million running backs at that time too. And so, let's go ahead and dip into this BYU game pre uh, just briefly. Uh, let's talk about this team as a whole, and then let's talk about some TCU before we get out of here. And so. The BYU game we just saw this past this past Saturday was not the game many were expecting. I mean, the, I, I expected the field to be bad because they were saying it was rainy, and I knew that was a real grass field, and I knew that field was always muddy after every rainy game. But, I mean, every single play they're getting gashed on defense. The offense kind of carried the team, uh, but mostly – it's just because BYU had three turnovers. OU forced two. Uh, they got 21 points, so touchdowns out of all three of those turnovers. And then the defense, they were kind of like maybe compounding mistakes where you have one missed gap, and then one suddenly like one guy becomes aware of it to another guy tries to make and cover for that assignment, which makes his assignment also blown and so now you're like compounding mistakes upon yourself and blitzing where you think weak areas are, or kind of just like blind blitzing. And that it was just a complete shit show from the defense. And the second half, they got a lot better as Brent, uh, Brent mentioned. And so what, what do you, what are your thoughts on this team? I mean, they just blow away West Virginia at home. who was actually a pretty decent team at that point. And then they really struggle. Of course, like Nova Dylan Gabriel's second half. But they really struggle against the BYU team, specifically on defense, which has been their strong suit the entire year, which BYU, they haven't been able to run the damn ball at all. Gets like over 250 yards on the ground against BYU. It was uh, it was not what I was expecting, obviously, but 
it was it was troublesome that that uh, the defensive linemen, especially in the interior, were just getting pushed around so much. And yeah, I know they were trying to cover their gaps, and for the most part, they did. And sometimes the linebackers just simply miss plays, like Kobe McKenzie would just miss a play. But then you have just simple things like uh, like the option stuff. The option stuff was just so easy to cover. And, and Ethan Downs, I know, has played incredibly well this season, way better than anybody expected. Yeah, but he cannot cover the the option. I just don't know how. That's like a middle school offense. Yeah, he like could he not contain pitch, man. at all. Just, like you go outside, you know, the linebacker is going to fill in and take the the pitch guy or the the quarterback, and you take the pitch guy, and it just never happened. It was just so. It was driving me insane. The, the lack the lack of containment. Like that's like I was screaming. Like even like I was screaming at the top of my lungs. Like the the lack of containment and the, the lack of eye discipline. And just trusting in your keys, it was abhorrent. And that I thought, of course, like yeah, sure, Danny Sussman isn't in there, and when he's not in there, it definitely is is it makes a difference. It's it is obvious when Danny Sussman's there and when he's not there. And just it's just the lack of discipline and the lack of containment. Then they're getting shoved around a little bit, making up for stunts or blitzing where 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 they when plays they shouldn't. It was it was just it was bad. I mean, of course, they came up bad tackling, bad tackling, as you mentioned. Uh, Billy Bowman had far too far too many tackles uh, in that game where he basically saves touchdowns. And I mean, kudos to Billy Bowman. Apparently, dude was supposed to blitz on the play. Sees the other guy on the other side of the field not doing his job. Decides not to uh, decides not to blitz, and then well, he gets that 100 yard touchdown return and is now suddenly captain for the rest of the year um <laughs> i make making captain the rest it's of the year too. How that works out and uh it's this game was just the strangest strangest like set of circumstances where tcu and pretty much every team is putting up 40 to 50 on byu and with dylan gabriel Still, you end up going like what 17 and a half, 17 and a half, 17, 17 and a half. Yeah, uh, yes, you weren't really so. able to take advantage of certain things, of course. And then, and then BYU ends up like going on an elongated drives and scoring on you, anyways. And so, they just like I couldn't tell if it was the atmosphere, they didn't have any turnovers, or you didn't have any turnovers, they forced, they forced turnovers. And we're still not really able to get things going, of course. And then you have the Jackson Arnold stuff. It it was this game concerning to you, or was this game something that you saw as something that can be fixed? Or what what do you what the hell do you get out of this game? Because you definitely I don't think it I don't think you get a quarterback in Dylan Gabriel coming back for you to play this last game at home. Yeah, a lot of this can be fixed. Um, you know, defensive line stuff. You can't just plug in a superstar at this point. And there's my roommate screaming. I think they're playing Rocket League. But nice. Um, <laughs> you're not going to find an elite defensive lineman at this point in the season. Like they, no one's going to emerge on your roster. It is what you is. Or you are what you are at this point. So um, it is what you is. It is what you is. So it's true. <laughs> that's a little Oklahoma slang right there. <laughs> but you can you can cover your your gaps. You can cover this. You know. Yeah. I thought one play where the defensive line played well uh, against the run, you know, Kobe McKenzie crashes down, has it stopped for, you know, no gain, maybe a yard at worst, and he just doesn't make the tackle. So 
you have to have everything working together. The one thing I, that really concerns me about this roster and, and this team in general is they just, I don't think they realize that, you know, they still have that target on their back. Like they have two losses, right? But yeah. you're still everyone's biggest game of the year. Like everybody wants to beat you. And, and you yep. know, through these last three games or four games, you, you've proved you could be beatable. And now that target's even bigger. So I just don't feel like they come out with the right mentality. And I, I don't think they're going to fix that at this point in the season, but you know, who knows? I just, I just don't feel like the, the attitude that going into Texas and beating Texas, like that attitude it's still there, never re never reemerged after yeah. that game. And that, but that's the thing is they beat the shit out of West Virginia and they are a decently coached team. Like I was surprised how, how like not inept they were this season under Neil Brown. He's actually done a pretty decent job with them with that roster. And so then they go to a team that they should definitely beat the heck out of because they BYU hasn't been really any better in Houston. They definitely haven't really been any better than Cincinnati. And they go in just like underperform the in the week after I think Iowa State beat the hell out of BYU in Provo. And it, it was it was just a weird situation, and it's been a weird ten games. It, it's it's or eleven games now. It's been in a weird eleven games where the team sometimes just like blows the doors off. Is amazing, good, crazy, stupid. The offense has flown well. The defense is complimenting the offense occasionally, and or as we saw, Kansas, UCF, uh, Oklahoma State, um, whoever else, insert name, pretty much. Uh, this past BYU, right? It's been like one possession games, but so the team is on the cusp of winning 10 games with at least two games remaining. They've got that. They've definitely got a bowl game. They definitely got TCU this, this Friday. Um, how would you assess Brent in year two? Um, as far as like, as a coach, as far as growth, like, and, and do you think he actually gets an offensive or a defensive coordinator or does he stay basically a defensive coordinator and just let roof kind of just oversee things? I think he's done a pretty good job. Like a lot of the things we complained about after last year and, you know, through the summer and, and fall campus Brent's game management, you know, how does he stay engaged on, you know, whether on offense, defense, special teams, like he can't just be in the, the defensive huddle trying to get these guys going. So, I th thought he's, for the most part, cleared up some of the games. He still makes those mistakes. Obviously, the bed the the bedlam stuff where he allowed them to to do the hill mary stuff that was that was just uh, a savvy move by Gundy because he's been a head coach and Bryn hasn't, and you know he just hasn't that doesn't have that experience. But uh, for the most part, I think Bryn's done pretty good. I think most of the stuff like his recruiting is really well. I think he's always engaged in recruiting. Um, I think he's trusting levy with the offense but i think he chimes in more it's like hey let's run the ball let's do this you know i don't think he's completely zoned out uh you know just dealing with the defense at this point as, as far as the defensive coordinator i don't know if they'll go get one i i used to think they would because you know you give uh ted roof 1.1 million yep uh like that to me that was never a thing it's like hey we love ted roof but that to me that was Hey, whoever's out there that wants to coach defense and you're a defensive coordinator and you're good at it, we're going to make sure you're very comfortable here. So I thought that was more advertising than anything. And now I just don't know if they'll do it. 
Sure. Yeah. No, I think it's a good point too. Um, man, Venables in year two. It's for me, the team is still getting an influx of talent. Uh, they're still in the, in the middle of turning over the roster from what Lincoln Riley has, which again, is just hilarious to me. The Oklahoma is nine and two and USC is seven and five. Uh, that USC is such a an obscene an obscene kind of example of what all flash and no substance means um, in comparison to this Oklahoma team that I think actually might beat their ass um, in a bowl game because they are trying to be physical, whereas USC is not, and there would be so many opt outs from USC's anyways. Um, I think I think Brenton year two, like you mentioned, better game management, clock management. Sure, they still need to fix some things. Um, they're learning from things as you can see on the job, um, having going for that passing specifically with Jackson Arnold passing with Jackson Arnold, like what I was like a third and nine, uh, just to slam the door shut on BYU away in Provo. They could have easily run the ball, tried to kill the clock and tried to hold BYU out of the end zone like they did against osu and then like they did against um kansas as well they could have done that but instead they go for the kill uh and slant to jaleel faruku they know they're they know they're gonna get blitzed he knows he's getting blitzed as soon as they were showing that every time that that drive catches the ball after he makes an audible just to faruk to go inside and then catches Catches it, gets his body set, his feet planted, and delivers a perfect ball to Jalil Farouk um, as far as Jackson Arnold is concerned. And so, man, Jeff Levy's done a lot for, I think, Jackson Arnold. Um, I People have been worrying about Jackson Arnold and if, if Jeff Levy is fired for whatever reason. What do you think about the prospects of, and because like you mentioned like there's more been a balance between Venables and Jeff Levy uh, because game management has been a lot better. And there's been a lot more balance of going fast. There's been, and like in slowing it down when they need to. And then Jeff Levy as, as, as a, as a coach has been a little bit stubborn at times. And I think he's now that he's getting kind of Jackson Arnold on the field anyways, is doing a little bit better. these last few games what do you think about the prospects of possibly losing him to like a D one school after this year? Like, do you think that's possible? I don't, uh, I don't think it's going to happen this year. Yeah, the rumor least. mill says it's possible. Uh, I, there's some people I trust that they're pretty know as far in the know, as far as like coaching stuff. Um, I know Mississippi state has a lot of ties to OU as Zach Selman there. Yeah, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. It doesn't sound like that's going to happen at all. Um, I, was, I, was, I think I they'll go. They'll go some other route. But how do you feel uh, about Levy? You know, though I can see him. I'm hit and miss on him. Like I, I don't think all of the flaws in this offense are completely his fault. Um, sure. At some point, you know, Dylan Gabriel has a wide open lane. He can run it and just decides to hang on. So, yep. Those are those are things out of your control. But you know, the the play calling. You throw three quick passes in a row, and you're trying to go tempo, and you Five burn, sweeps. you know, yeah, thirty seconds off the clock, and now your defense is back on the field. That's just stupid. Yeah, like you know, you got to mix it up. You got to be creative. I mean, 
I don't mean creative. It's like, hey, let's do a trick play. Like, mm -hmm. find a way to get a guy open. You know, find yep. a way to run the ball. Um, you don't have to do the trick play. You don't have to do the jet sweep. Just you mean they shouldn't have thrown the ball to Ethan just... Downs this past Saturday? Hey, it worked. It worked. That, that's, that's not scared the hell either. out of me. Yeah, that's. that's yeah. I think that's technically Brent's call. Yeah, as I say, it's but Jane Nunes is the, the special teams guy for for now. But yeah, God, maybe not later. But I mean, I, I don't hate Levy. I think he's done an okay job. I think there's some some learning that needs to be had there. But for the most part, he's he's done okay. He hasn't done anything that to be fired at this point. I think he's been getting into a rhythm. Yeah, I think he's been getting into a rhythm. Um, especially as Dylan Gabriel had been playing really, really well down the stretch. I think he'd been getting into a rhythm a lot easier in the offensive and finding footing, especially with a running back that can get you at least two to three yards of carry just by simply reading where a hole or a crease may be instead of just getting stopped in the backfield and then kind of solidifying the offensive line it's, itself, too. It's been, been really, really helpful. And so I think Venables in year and two. Not having the, Marcus Major out there. Yeah, God. Um, I think I think the coaching staff in year two, again, like I mentioned, they are they are still in the process of flipping over this roster from what was left from after Lincoln Riley. So they have a lot of talent, yeah, uh, but it's a lot of young talent, I think, with exception of the guys on defense, uh, which where you had several guys from the portal um, on the defensive line as well. Um, and so you take away some, a, a lot of guys on offense. Obviously, you take away a Heisman winner, and you take away, um, you have, you don't have any experienced running backs and or and or wide receivers, and then no tight ends. And so things are obviously a little bit difficult there. And so they're still trying to put up points with Drake Soups being your best wide receiver. Kind of a problem, uh, but good for Drake, I guess. Um, so it's kind of a work in progress, but. I think next year will be better, especially with those water series yeah. we talked about earlier. Uh, I think, but what do we like believe? A lot of people, a lot of people don't realize that that Brent Venables and Jeff Levy's like first real class are all true freshmen at this point. Like yep. portals players, like defense alignment, don't really count because those are guys you're just trying to. Those are band aids essentially. You're not, yeah. you're not playing long term with those guys. But and Brent was just know, trying to keep that first class together, and to his credit, mm -hmm. he pretty much did. Yeah, even bringing uh, Kobe McKenzie back into the fold after that. So that was more of like mm -hmm. a patchwork job. Last year with the, the 2023 class was his first real, you know, these are guys we want to identify. Let's offer them. Let's recruit them. Let's get them committed, sign them, all that stuff. That was his first real class. And those mm -hmm. guys are all true freshmen. So I don't like all the talents there. It's just incredibly young. Yeah. And, and that's why I said, like, man, you can't you, you... – like he's doing really well with the parts that they have uh, and the culture that they have created. I think the culture is part of the reason why they actually are winning um, in addition to their strength conditioning program, which, and again, I think people are going to say, Oh, all these players are dinged up. Not just, just because of the game, just because of practice and stuff like that. I think those rumors are going to start to happen eventually. Um, but with an actual strength, strength conditioning program, once again, um, that isn't P90X. I think it, this, this team looks a lot more stout. And so before we get to the game, what have we learned about this team during the season that 
you can now maybe count on during the weekends, if anything. Like you can count on seeing something or them doing something well or try to do something well. I think you have some of your go-to players figured out because, you know, going into the the season, as far as like receiver, let's talk about them for a second. Uh, we're like, who's the, who's the go-to guy? But like, we think it's Farouk because he's like the incumbent coming back. Yep. But, you know, Andrew Anthony's getting all this talk through fall camp. And now it's, it's Nick Anderson. So I think you're starting to figure out guys that like, you know, we can have uh, Gavin Sawchuk in there as well. So guys that you can depend on and go to and like, we need a big play. Let's, let's lean on these guys a little bit more. Whereas, you know, going into the season, I think even for Oklahoma, it was, you know, by committee at most positions. So offensively, I think you have some playmakers. Yeah. And I think, I think it's important, right? Like defense, I feel like you can just really, for the most part, when they're healthy anyways, depend on them in a lot of situations. They've done a lot of really great work when they are healthy. Um, as far as offense, you mentioned Gavin Sawchuck's the guy that's emerged the last, the second half of the season. Uh, just really positive. Every game is really breaking off big runs just by simply reading what's in front of him, keeping his head up. Nick Anderson has been a guy, honestly, all year that has been catching touchdown passes and more, more recently catching more difficult passes over the middle. Um, and then just the the QB run game in particular, I think has been really big for this team. Lots, some QB draws, some RPOs. I think it's going to be interesting that if Jackson Arnold does play this Friday, which I think he does, I think we, and we talked about this earlier. I think it's going to be interesting for the wide receivers because now they've having the ball thrown to them from a left-handed quarterback, which that ball gets spun in there differently that people don't realize that. Uh, because like the ball, when you when you're flinging the ball from your left hand, the ball slings in there differently, and it it's different to catch it. And so now that they're getting it from a right hander, which is normally what the experience is from a wide receiver perspective, how that's going to work, but also the amount of runs, um, it flips the field completely. And so I wonder how that will play out as well. And so as far as the QB run game, though, I think that has been a big thing for this offense and unlocking more of its potential as far as bringing more safeties down. So they can take those deep shots it's like Nick Anderson, Jaden Gibson. Um, and those are really the only two they take deep shots to, for being quite honest. And so going on to Oklahoma versus TCU, Oklahoma, Norman, senior day, and then the big FU middle finger from the Big 12, 11 a.m. on a Black Friday. Um, Oklahoma, for now, is their 10-point favorites, despite the fact that most People know that Dylan Gabriel is hurt and is probably not going to play this Friday. Yes, Brent will say he has a chance to play. Yes, yeah, he has the chance to play. But if you don't pass those concussion protocol tests, which the minimum typically is a week, let alone six days after getting like a brain injury or brain bruise or something like that, you know, so that's kind of serious these days. Um, they're a 10-point favorite. Fox senior day TCU is trying to get bowl eligible. They are five and six <laughs> and you know, they're definitely trying they're pulling out all the tricks in the bag. Um, their last five, three, the five games, they've lost three of them. They've been bookended by wins, which they scored 40 points plus on conveniently BYU. Uh, and they've also scored 40 on Baylor, who has been a mass, massive disappointment this year. There's not really a lot of RPO in their game. 
uh, because they have a solid, solid offensive line and in the trenches a little bit. Um, their quarterback's not really a run guy, so they're, I expect Oklahoma to experience mass prote- max pro as far as max protection on the quarterback, so a lot more time for wide receivers to get open, but also a lot more bodies Oklahoma may have to fling at him. And then Jackson Arnold, like we mentioned, we think he's likely to start. So what are your thoughts on this game in general? It feels like a very tricky game that will come down to the wire once again. I actually feel pretty good about Oklahoma's chances in this game. Really? Um, a lot of their defensive troubles are with quarterbacks that can run. And uh, Josh Hoover is not a runner by any means. And and I think he he's had a couple you know pretty good games back-to-back. But at the same time, you look at his, his touchdown-to-interception rate, it's not very good. Um, you're looking at like 11 touchdowns to 8 interceptions. So he is turned over pro. We've seen Oklahoma – True. Alan Bowman, to I mean, they credit, were defending against the run. That well. Yeah. They were defending against the run. I did not expect still. him to play that well. And he was avoiding uh, taking losses. So he did a pretty good job of just getting the ball out, um, either to, like, you know, in the flats or to a receiver yeah. or just throwing it away. But uh, Josh Hoover is, is not Alan Bowman. So I expect uh, OU to bring a lot of pressure there and, and get to him because he's, he's just not going to make those runs like uh, you saw last week. So. I think this this team will cover. Um, well, you do have to you have to be aware of uh, Jared Wiley, the the guy. Uh, I think he's from Texas, actually. Uh, the mm-hmm. tight end, he's, he catches a lot of balls from a lot of red zone balls. Um, so that red zone defense, which has been pretty good for Oklahoma, is going to be tested here uh, by Jared Wiley. So I think, uh, but there's other guys, and uh, we'll go into this later, but. This is a, a game where, like, you have Jalen Robinson, which Oklahoma is very familiar with, John Paul Richardson, which Oklahoma is very familiar with, uh, Dylan Wright, which I don't think Oklahoma recruited. They probably never saw him. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a lot of guys that Oklahoma knows pretty well and they've seen. So I think Oklahoma has a, has a big advantage here. I think they cover. And th- this is the thing about Oklahoma is that they have actually relatively played well in Norman this year. They have been Jekyll and Hyde where they have had, with the exception of the UCF game, right? The UCF, they, they were horrid. Uh, but for the most part, they put, played pretty well in Norman and just like really not so great away. Um, and I feel like that gives them already that cushion uh, to play. Uh, but man, it, it's hard to get past that they are going to try to sling the ball a lot, but they, again, they have a mixed offense where um, they're able to run the ball. They already have a thousand yard rusher. And I think Oklahoma's front seven front six will be tested along with the back end. But again, I think there's going to be a lot of play action involved because they are able to run the ball. They try to run the ball. And they're going to be lots of heavy sets that will end up in heavy pass protection sets that will really test out Oklahoma's eye discipline um, and zone coverage in particular, because they don't play a lot of man as people have have or haven't noticed. And so I'm really curious to see how they respond offensively. That's kind of a wait and see for me. I mean, you you need to let Jackson Arnold to be Jackson Arnold. You just need to let him do that. And so that's going to involve letting him use his legs. 
That's going to involve letting him turn the ball loose. That's he threw Jalil Farouk wide open to where I keep, there was an area last week against three by BYU Cougars. And he threw the ball where nobody was right in front of three Cougars where uh, Jalil Farouk had the ball to get it. And then of course, Jack, uh, Zach Schmidt missed a field goal. Um, and, uh, and so you have to let him be him. And that's kind of like one of my, I guess, really big deals as far as the offense, because we can talk about TCU and what they bring defensively, but offensively, as far as OU, I'm kind of concerned about this game, which they might not cover. And so what are your keys to this game? I think Oklahoma needs to sell out and stop the run. Um, Amani Bailey, you already touched on, is a really good rusher. Already over a thousand yards there, uh, but he's a guy. He's not a. Uh, I can't even remember that Robbins from last week. He's not the same same uh, body type. This guy is like five eight, maybe two hundred pounds. So mm-hmm. um, as long as you can contain him, you're not going to get run through like you were last week. So I think just containing the run, uh, being aggressive on the pass rush. TCU does have some playmakers on the outside. They're not, you know, prolific yep. by any means, but they're better than probably they're better than BYU, BYU, BYU and, and West Virginia, promoted. most yeah. likely. So uh, you just got to be sound in coverage. I don't know if Love Gentry Williams back, so that'll mm-hmm. be a wait and see. But this He's is been a game defensively. Yeah, I think yeah. defensively they stack up pretty well against against this offense. And you look at the offensive coordinators, Jeff Levy, obviously very familiar with the. Uh, Kendall Bryles over there. So, yeah, I think that that's true. There might be some sign stealing going on or some inside knowledge for uh, Jeff Levy. It, it it just makes me I'm really curious to see how Oklahoma's defense responds to this offense and how Oklahoma's offense, what Jeff Levy is going to end up doing against, a, again, a TCU defense that is typically always sound TCU never really has a bad defense, but this year they obviously haven't had the greatest year, Uh, but that has been a symptom of their offensive problems and not really any defensive problems they've been having in particular. Um, So I'm really curious to see how they do on offense, at least at home, because, you know, the crowd will be dead quiet for a rookie and freshman QB like Jackson Arnold. So I'm glad that he's not making his first start away, even though he had to come in and play half at Provo. Um, and so I think that helps him out a little bit, but uh, man, another, another key to this game, just turnovers again. Th- that's, that's been the thing that kills OU every game is that this, the self the inflicted stuff are the, uh, the, the false starts that kill drives, the holdings that kill drives. The unnecessary the kind of holds the oh gosh, the fumbling, the snaps. Um, and cause they haven't really turned the ball over as far as like fumbles on the ground and interceptions too much that were actually the fault of the of the quarterback or the wide receiver. It's just been like ball gets popped up in the air, but I mean, just the, the, the dumb, the dumb things that you can correct penalties and then of course turnovers they those always those always always decide games heck oklahoma they, they don't sides as a receiver so stupid I I, <laughs> I I was looking at the screen i was like you cannot you, you got to be kidding me um but it's just they they actually needed all 21 of those points from the byu turnovers to win that game and byu has not been good 
And that's what scares me about this team. But at the same time, it's in Norman. And so as long as they get those turnovers and force the turnover or two, I think they should, I don't know if they cover, but I think they should maybe win. At least I think it's still a close game. I don't know really who to pick. I mean, gun to my head. I say there's a lot of Oklahoma seniors that are going out because, and we'll be talking about this in a second that there's going to be a lot of corrections made and a lot of attention to detail this coming week. That, but TCU is also trying to get eligible. So we'll see the both teams are going to bring their best. And so like, how do you see this game playing out? I'm more optimistic than you, I think, as far as this game. Uh, Correct. I'm just going to assume Jackson Arnold's the starter. I think they'll throw the ball. I think they'll throw it pretty well. Um, offensively, they, they may struggle here and there. Um, TCU's defense isn't incredible by any means, but they do have some good players. And they generally try to knock out your quarterback. Uh, Oklahoma's done that now twice. So. Yeah, no shit, right? But I think they'll run the ball well. I think they'll take their shots to Nick Anderson. Um, Farouk, I don't know if he's going to have a big day. I think they're going to kind of double cover over there. Um, but Nick Anderson's been on the island pretty much all season. I think he's going to just eat this this game. So. Um, I see them moving the ball fairly easily. Um, defensively, this offense isn't going to be like the one they saw last week. And I think they'll have advantages knowing kind of what it's like since it is in the Bryles uh, tree. Um, you know, defensively, linebacker plays can be important, I think, uh, stopping the run. But this is a team that turns the ball over quite a bit. I think they're tied – 12th and, and turnovers lost um, mm. on the, in the season. So they fumble a lot. They tend to throw a lot of picks. So there's going to be opportunities here for the Oklahoma defense to uh, pretty much shut down the game pretty early. I'm curious to see how this game plays out. I mean, I think that Oklahoma tries to establish the run. I don't know if they're able to. Uh, they've, they, they, they've just been so Jekyll and Hyde with it all. Um, I, I like, I like the left side of the offensive line. Uh, the right side sometimes is pretty okay. Um, that's kind of an issue. And then the wide receivers, they block really well. Uh, I like Nick Anderson also on, on, on an Island out there. Um, he'll have plenty of time to run those go routes and heck those intermediate routes lately have been working really well for him as he has obviously not the speed to burn, but also, He's just incredibly long. And so you can throw it out there in front of him and he can go out and catch it for, for like big time. Like Nick, like, uh, like Jaden Gibson did the guy caught catches the ball while he's technically out of bounds, was able to get a foot in bounds. Um, so I like Oklahoma's depth here in comparison to TCU's, especially, um, especially even at quarterback where Oklahoma, because I mean, TCU started the year with Chandler Morris. And now they're working on their next quarterback. So Oklahoma, of course, they know what they had in Jackson Arnold and they Oklahoma fans um, or just people in the know in general, they know what they have in Jackson Arnold. He's a guy that has a cannon for an arm. He's a guy that is confident in his abilities and likes to be physical and run, will run the ball. And that's kind of what Oklahoma is looking for in this offense. And so he, Jeff Levy, I see him letting Jackson will continue to run the ball because his redshirt's completely burned because he played last week. Obviously I see him letting him run the ball and I see TCU though. I see 
their max protection, giving Oklahoma fits. I, I still don't think Oklahoma will generate enough pressure like they have pretty much all year. And because TCU's front five, their 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 offensive line is a little bit better than what we've seen the last few weeks, quite frankly. Um, and I think that being a problem for OU, and I think they're going to score. And I think OU's going to have to rely on the turnovers. And so, what it, my score prediction is: OU thirty-five, TCU thirty-one. I think OU still wins close at home, specifically because they're at home. What will your score be? I'd go Oklahoma 35 and give me TCU 24. Mm. Something like that. Is that I want to add a field goal stops? in there, but I just I just know it's not going to happen. I mean, I, th- I think for they'll OU, score for, off for, the defense. For, for yeah. OU or TCU? Yeah, for Oklahoma. For Oklahoma. So yeah. maybe I'll do like Oklahoma 42 and TCU 25, something like that. I think they wow. can run away with this game fairly easily. I don't think it's a matchup that TCU is going to enjoy, but it, you know, I could be wrong. I mean, Oklahoma again has has proven Vegas has has made Vegas a lot of money this year um, <laughs> because of just how up and down they have been in certain days and certain games. It's strange, and so well, after all that, should be beat everybody by at least fourteen. Oh yeah. But yeah, like if they, they, they find if they a way to, to make it a, a close game, if Texas were to lose, and I think that would be that would permit an OU OSU Bedlam rematch in the title game, right? If Texas were to lose, but everybody else does, uh, I think so. Someone tweeted it out, yeah. If Tech beats uh Texas, I think Oklahoma's in. I'm just not exactly sure if that yeah, ma- rematch, regardless, if that rematch were to happen, I think OU wins that more often than not. Mm-hmm. But I mean, and you have, I digress. Uh, Gabriel back by that, yeah. at that point. So, and so I mean, just looking at this from the bigger picture, as Oklahoma Oklahoma head, heads into their final game in the Big Twelve, essentially, because I don't think they're going to make the Big Twelve title game. Of course, we talked about this earlier. They need to hit the portal b- badly for c- certain positions. Um, I think it's both in both sides of the trenches. And the tight end room, what are other places where you think they would look? Or I guess for kickers and punters too, right? Uh, you definitely want a kicker for sure. I don't think uh, – I'm not sure exactly what Zach Schmidt's eligibility is, but it's it's probably run out Norman, to be honest with you, Whatever whatever's left. Sure. Um, so you're going to need a kicker. The punting – they've, they've gotten better at punting lately. It just hasn't been amazing, but – you know, maybe you grab a punter out of there. I think they'll grab a, a receiver, um, kind of add add some more talent to that room, and I think they'll grab a running back. Why running back? You think it's for just experience? I don't think Major's going to come back. I mean, Tawib likely comes back. I could see him just... You just have so many guys on scholarship. Yeah, Already. I don't know if Tawib's on scholarship still. Because they brought three so dudes the, in on scholarship last year. Yeah. But I don't know. I could see them just adding some adding some depth. Maybe just yeah. grab a guy like a flyer. But it depends um, on who's I think the biggest goes. part's, you know, defensive line because yep. you're, you're gonna have some bodies in there. It's a question of can you get the the elite guy? Because yeah. last year was Barry Alexander. USC kind of did their thing, got him. Uh, but you know, the turnover at uh AM 
is going to be interesting with both sides yep. of their their offensive and defensive line. Um, you know, other programs are kind of go under some programs that have underachieved and guys kind of want to look around and say, Hey, you know, if I stick around, you know, my, my NFL stock might not, uh, might not be what I want it to be. So I'm going to go at least take a look in the portal and Nicole's going to have to capitalize on those opportunities because you have David Stone coming in. Uh, you, you have guys like uh, Nigel Smith and Danny, Acoye, yeah. but you, yeah, those, there's a, there's a big difference between, you know, these elite defensive guys and just They're having the body SEC types. ready. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like they David Stone's 280, but right, but he's not going to play a majority of your snaps next season. I don't think. Who knows? Stone Stone might in, impress, right? But and and but and those other guys are really high level: Okoye, Nigel Smith, Jaden Jackson, all those other guys. But I mean, they're going to need at least a year or two. Um, with yeah. Smitty, especially, especially even even Stone, like I think he still makes obviously an impact in plays, but I think that extra year with Schmitty, um, and a year or two with Schmitty would be be beneficial. So I think they're gonna really have to portal in like three, four guys. I mean, of course, they have a lot of guys come back on the edges that they will ensure I'm sure they will ensure that they gain a lot of weight and move inside. Uh, but yeah, they're gonna have to be looking at those guys. So yeah, pretty much. And tight end, right? I mean, like yeah. you have to be looking at tight end. They have nobody, and then you have guys that subtweet other tight ends in the room and stuff like that. Um, so that's something for the future. Yeah, gosh, like. But uh, when do these guys even like, play? Look at Michigan. Yeah, like if you're not the, having the like an office, if you're not having any, an office in Houston near College Station, or just generally in Michigan because of Michigan State and stuff like that you need to be you need to be just like camped out for players <laughs> yeah i mean because i mean i don't think they're going to punish michigan per se but i would assume harbaugh i think it might jump to the NFL again. Or, yeah or maybe a&m takes a look at him i don't know yeah i'm curious who takes the a&m but, job yeah. something like there's gonna be so much turnover that oklahoma's gonna have some opportunities and they just they need to be aggressive and get these guys into the portal, especially the the offensive and defensive linemen. When did A and M become such a like a high priority job? Uh, about a week since ago. Since Adidas, since that, since Adidas and Johnny Manziel. Otherwise, they were always known as just like this middling yeah. program. I mean, they've always it's had absurd. The money. Uh, but the Adidas contract was pretty substantial. Um, as far as just like kind of what Adidas did for them and then moving to the SEC and getting that money and being on you know CBS and being the national game and you know be, getting to be Alabama yeah the big storyline of Johnny Mansell and that kind of springboard over there but I mean if we, we can talk about the Josh Pate stuff and what he kind of said and saying that A&M's a better job than than Oklahoma that's just not true because A&M holy yeah I saw that that ho- I, holy shit what yeah. a horrible take that's a terrible and take. To me, like I get it. AM pays a lot of money. And that's it's not a better job. That's just a stupid, stupid customer you're taking advantage of. Like if yeah. AM's gonna give me if I'm gonna talk at my price, if I'm a coach, yeah, I want I want a hundred million dollars. I don't do I deserve it? Probably not. Probably not at all. But they're just so stupid down there, they're gonna toss money around. Yeah, I'll take it. Take like advantage they, of them. Again, they they 
they have all the high level athletes and profiles, but they cannot for the for the love of them even get to eight wins with Jimbo Fisher. Uh <laughs> and that's obviously that's that's I don't that, think that Jimbo's a terrible coach boring. too. That's the thing. He won a national like title at Florida State, of course Bobby Bowden built it. Yeah. I don't know. He's he's kind but of But I don't think he's a, a terrible coach. He is a greasy he guy. Is. That is one greasy he should be in at LSU, I think. He should. Oh, he would fit in perfectly. Um, He'd be so greased up over there. Nobody would be able to touch him. Just swipe right off. <laughs> uh, so if you ever, like, if you've ever pissed the crowd off, like, they slip right off. Something I, I haven't <laughs> talked about. Uh, Danny Sutzman on on his Instagram today said he was like communion that cracker with the juice. I feel about I might that. Have to get that tattooed in my body. Yeah, on your chest. I don't know if he stole that from somewhere. Yeah, probably on my chest. Probably wouldn't under do the well on under the arms. no regrets. Under the no regrets on your collarbone. Yeah, I don't have any tattoos, but that would be a, a hell of a first one. That's the kind of stuff that makes me think he actually stays in Oklahoma, is because he's such a college bro uh, that he enjoys the college life and the college experience, and he was never registered. Like Baker. He's that he actually guy. sticks around. Yeah, I think he actually would want to see through his first year, maybe at the SEC, because of the types of offenses he would face, because he'd probably get a shit ton of tackles because they'd be coming his way. And I think that's a very possible outcome as well. And I, I thought that was, a, that, was a, that was a good time. But um, gosh, this, this TCU game, it's weird to think that Oklahoma is finally heading to their very last game in the Big 12, but of course, we still get to podcast with Gerald uh, Ford, uh, not Gerald Ford. What the heck? That's a former president. Joe Goodridge, <laughs> uh, who was from Texas. Gerald uh, Ford even alive? No, he's dead. Um, yeah, he's dead. Okay. But um, one of the last questions I wanted to ask before we before we got off is what that um, uh, KRAF Sports mentioned that uh, the BYU game was a pretty substantial away game and they asked what the bed road trip best road trip game you've ever been to and I mentioned OU A&M in 2004 where they were tied and Jason White hits um oh uh, who was it I forget who he hit uh and uh, just right in the pocket and he turns around spin move and just runs right toward the end zone and they win 42 to 35 do you have any like away experience that you enjoyed or didn't enjoy? I have never been to a uh, away game earlier. Really? Admittedly, yeah. Never been to an away game. I've it's, been to uh, Baton Rouge, and I'm looking forward to making that my first away game. It's been it, it. You know, it's really fun to be very toxic in an away game where you're a win. You're when you're when you win when you're winning. Uh, because I'm a sore winner, and that's probably what gives some of you fans a bad name. Uh, but it, it's a good time. I did ask BYU folks if they felt like the Seahawks fans um, this past week when they were on the one-yard line and uh, when Pete Carroll had Marshawn Lynch for the <laughs> touchdown against the, against the Patriots, and Pete Carroll decided to throw a slant instead of just handing it off to Marshawn with like 20 seconds left. And the the fans were instantly pissed. They tried to throw that instead of just trying to run it in, that which had been successful all day. So that was fun. But 
Yeah, that's all I got. It's our first pod back in a while. Um, I've obviously got time, and we'll have a lot, a lot more time in spring and so on and so forth, as I'll discover uh, discussing before the podcast. And but um, anything else for you? No, uh, join the Discord for sure. I've been a lot more active in there. We're talking about recruiting. We're talking about uh, the Grand Brick stuff, where OU might lean, and, and most likely what yep. uh, the portal's going to shape out with. And uh, that portal probably is going to open up within the next 7 to 13 Wait. days. That's when that's going to start going. So I'm now's a great time to join. Gets uh, and who OU does not get. I think they'll be aggressive. I think they will. I think they have to be because aggressive. They, they have to, yeah. And, and it'll be an that easy spell because you're you're talking to guys that hey, you know, growing up in the SEC, this is sure. where a lot of the elite offensive and defensive linemen come from and go to the NFL. Do you want to be a part of it? And that's I think that's a pretty easy sell for the most part. That open door policy of uh, Brent also kind of kind of kindly gesturing people out the door uh, I think will be prominent again as far as processing people and getting more and more of his guys in specifically on defense and on offense uh, if as long as Jeff Levy remains as the offensive coordinator which I think he will as well uh, but I would echo that join the discord because of course I haven't been as active uh, my head kind of been in the sand but I'll have a lot more time going forward, so that's that's good. And, and then, again, just want to thank you guys for um, people who have been asking. Uh, I know they, they asked Steven, and I've been getting a couple of DMs as far as podcast-wise. It's just been it's been literally nothing about Steven. It's all been my schedule and just not being able to. So that's my bad. Uh, just not being able to make time for it. But thank you for everybody's comments about that uh, and for those that continue to listen. So, anyways... Oklahoma, last Big 12 game, last one, 11 a.m. kickoff, Black Friday, because, you know, the Big 12 loves Oklahoma. And, um, well, thanks, you guys, and we'll check you guys later.